0: Hello, this is Carl Mailer from the Let's Talk Sports podcast. Are you one of the many people like me who love to voice their opinions? Then, well, the Anchor app is for you. Me myself, I love using the Anchor app because I love voicing my opinion about everything sports. If you would like to get started on your own podcast, you can go to Anchor.fm/start to make your own podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Let's Talk Sports Radio. I am your host, Carl Mailer, and I just want to welcome you guys to the very first episode of the new year, 2020. Uh, it's been quite a uh, quite a ride the last uh, last couple of weeks, I should say. Uh, for anybody that did not see my my Instagram post that I had posted earlier today, I am uh, officially. Uh, And I've told some people about this. I've talked it over with my family. Uh, I'm officially going to be going into the United States Air Force. It's nothing that is set in stone right now. But it is something that I am going to uh, be working on towards. I got to build up uh, back my cardio. I uh, uh, got to build up a little bit more muscle. So it is definitely something that I am going to uh, be getting myself into. Uh, I'm hoping uh, to hopefully be getting sent off to basic in San Antonio. I hope to be doing that between uh, the months of June and August. If not, then hopefully sometime in the fall. But it will be sometime this year in 2020 that I will be officially going into the United States Air Force. Uh, just a little bit about that It's it's really nothing. Uh, and And I try to tell people this all the time when i when I do talk to them about it. I try not to make it about the the money. Um, it's to really better myself as a person. I'm gonna be turning twenty four years old uh, this May. It's to really better myself as a person. It's to just g- do a new adventure in life. Uh, i've been I've had uh, quite a few uh, jobs since I started working at the age of fourteen. So I can say that, I, I, I can't say that I've, I've experienced it all, I can't say that, but I can say that it is definitely something that, uh, definitely something I, I'm, I'm looking forward to. Uh, I'm kind of nervous about it, I'm not going to lie, I can't lie to you guys, I'm kind of nervous about it, but I know God has a plan for me and I know everything will work out for a reason. So I want to talk to you guys. Like I said, it's the brand-new ep- first episode of 2020. It's been quite uh, quite a ride uh, in the world of sports, to say the least. Uh, LSU and Clemson will be battling this Monday night, January 13th, for the national championship. Clemson will be defending their national championship. LSU's quarterback, Joe Burrow, who is a highly sought uh, first-round uh number one picked for this year's uh, upcoming NFL draft. Uh that that that's gonna be a good game. Good game. Uh if I had to choose a winner of who I would think is the who I think can win it all this year, I, I, I just have to go with LSU. You know, I, I have nothing against LSU. I think they are a tremendous team. They have a lot of talent. It seems like, you know, if you look at the two teams, um Clemson and LSU seem to get quite a bit of draft picks uh, in the NFL. They seem to get a lot of young men that try their feet out in the NFL. And rightfully so, Joe Burrow, obviously, he hasn't announced it yet. But it is likely that Joe Burrow will probably leave after just one year at LSU and try his feet in the NFL. I I think that's a good... Good thing for him to do. Uh, It's going to be a fun game on Monday night. I'm looking forward to hopefully I'll be able to watch it. But it should hopefully be a good, good game on Monday night. LSU taking on Clemson down in New Orleans. Check that game out Monday night, January 13th. Uh, Just to give you guys a little bit of an update on the NFL playoffs. And like I said, it's the very first uh, episode of the brand new year. The Tennessee Titans defeated the New England Patriots last Saturday, 20-13. And what could have been, and I'm not predicting this, I'm just saying this is a possibility, and what could have been Tom Brady's last game as a New England Patriot player? I highly doubt that it might be. It, it, there's a chance, and there was a, uh, there was an article that came out many months ago in fact I think it was still during the regular season excuse me that Tom Brady there's a chance you know with the LA Chargers and the Los Angeles Rams getting that new uh, stadium in LA the new football stadium that's supposed to be opening up next football season in September uh th- there was a chance that they were saying that Tom Brady could possibly play in the Los Angeles for the Los Angeles Chargers. Now we all know that Philip Rivers is not getting any younger. He actually had quite—he actually had himself quite a down year this year. Uh, if you look at his statistics, so it, it begs the question: What to do with Tom Brady? Tom Brady is 43 years old. He's won six Super Bowls. He's by far the greatest quarterback of all time. Uh. Bill Belichick is by far the greatest coach of all time. Them two together have left their legacy. I, I don't think there's really anything else left to prove uh, for for the Patriots. I, I think the fans, you know, as a New England fan, your expectations are pretty much high every time you you're, the season starts if you're a New England fan, and rightfully so. Uh, Bill Belichick is a great, uh, great-minded head coach. Tom Brady is a great overall player. But it begs me to wonder, where in the world is he going to be going in 2020? Because he added an Instagram post uh, just the other day saying that he still has plenty left to prove. And it begs me to to question that, that post and just ask why. Or what do you have left to prove to anybody? You've won six Super Bowl rings. You... Uh, you're setting these NFL records, you've made the NFL's all-time 100 team when that came out on the NFL Network. I if, I if I'm a fan, and obviously I am a fan of the game, I'm just looking at this and saying that, Tom, you have nothing else left to prove to anybody. You might have something else to prove to yourself just because of the simple fact that uh, I think this This past season, this past regular season, I should say, statistically for New England, Tom Brady did not have really any receivers besides Julian Elliman, who stated that he was battling, excuse me, with uh, quite a bit of injuries throughout the season, and you had Antonio Brown for that one game, and then the stuff when Antonio Brown happened, uh, Tom Brady just did not have any big-name receivers besides Julian Edelman. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Tom Brady. Uh, the Houston Texans defeated the Buffalo Bills in overtime. And and what I should say, that was probably the most exciting game uh, of the wild card weekend. I, I did miss the first half of that game because I was out working uh, on Saturday. But I saw the second half. And from what I was told, the game was mostly controlled by Buffalo in the first half buffalo was up 16 to 0 they were up so double digits on this on a houston team and for me and i didn't see this play but i was told that the basically the turning point in the game was when jj watt got a sack on josh allen and the crowd just went crazy and then buffalo just i and i can say that and i did see it in the game Josh Allen just—he completely lost his composure. I don't know what uh, what he was doing at times and uh, going uh, towards the end of the game, going into overtime. It's like he just lost his composure. He was starting to play like a like he was a rookie all over again. Uh, and if anyone didn't see see this uh, one play, he he—I think I believe he scrambled, and then all of a sudden he was about to go down on the ground, and he laterals the ball back. And I think it was. I want to say probably to his tight end. I'm not sure, but just mental mental mistakes by a second year player. Uh, Buffalo loses uh, 19 to 16, and it, it was either 19 to 16 or 22 to 19. I can't exactly remember the score, but Buffalo was not able to hang on and win a playoff game. They haven't won a playoff game, I believe, since 1995. Uh, that was. When the last time Buffalo was in the playoffs, um, I might be mistaken on that, but it was either 1995 or 1999. Uh, but Buffalo has not been has not won a playoff game in a very long time. And the moment for this game, the next game I'm going to talk about here, the Minnesota Vikings defeating the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans, 26 to 20, in a Kirk Cousins, yes, I am saying that Kirk Cousins uh, first playoff victory uh, for himself. he was not able to accomplish that when he was in Washington. So I'm going to formally congratulate Kirk Cousins on his first playoff victory with his brand new team, that contract. You got to live up to that hype. Um, you you beat the New Orleans Saints. this is through now three years in a row the New Orleans Saints have lost on a on the last possession New Orleans has lost <clears throat> Excuse me we all remember what happened in last year's NFC Championship game down in New Orleans with the Los Angeles Rams I do think that was a obviously that was a pass interference call and then the game that happened on Saturday with Kyle Rudolph I don't know who he pushed off on for the New Orleans Saints but to me and the league office, this is something the league office has really got to sit down and talk about with Roger Goodell, the Players Association. They really got to sit down and talk about what is a pass interference and what isn't. Because I, I didn't see that game either, but I saw, excuse me, I saw the replay, and it looked like he, Kai Rudolph, pushed off just with extension of his one hand. His, I believe, it was his left hand he pushed off on the defender and you can see the fans in the replay they were you know waving their arms for a flag but a flag didn't come down and new orleans is knocked out of the playoffs as a 13 and 3 wild card team how crazy is that i if you were to tell me that a playoff team was to get knocked out as a 3 13 and 3 wild card team I would have told you that you were crazy. It's uh, something I didn't expect. I I predicted the, the Saints to to win that game. Uh, it, it I honestly I was hoping that New Orleans was hopefully trying to hopefully trying to win the Super Bowl. Uh, I was hoping that they could win the Super Bowl. Uh, it would be nice to see Drew Brees get his second Super Bowl ring in his uh, Hall of Fame career. But congratulations again, I'm going to formally say this, congratulations to Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings for winning a playoff game. But more importantly, congratulations to Kirk Cousins for winning his first playoff game, something he was not able to do in Washington. And on to the final game on Sunday, I want to congratulate the Seattle Seahawks for defeating the Philadelphia Eagles 17-9. And down in Philadelphia, a game in which longtime veteran quarterback Josh McCown had to come into the game because on the second, I believe it was the second series, it was either the second play or the second series, Jadavion Clowney landed a hit on Philadelphia's franchise quarterback Carson Wentz that knocked him out of the game for the remainder of the game with a head injury, which it, I believe it was most likely a concussion. Uh, and Philly fans were upset about it. Jadavion Clowney went on to say that Philadelphia, the Philadelphia crowd, is the worst, uh, worst group of fans in the league. And I and I will attest to Jadavion Clowney on that aspect. Uh, when me and my dad we went to a we went to a Philadelphia Phillies baseball game. Uh, for people that don't know, if you follow me on my uh, Twitter, my Twitter, uh, my Twitter pages. Uh, both my official Twitter page and my uh, w- my radio Twitter page, you see that I, re- uh, I often try to re- uh, retweet a lot of Atlanta Braves uh, uh, stuff. I am an Atlanta Braves fan. So anyways, me and my dad, We I believe this was back in 2012. We went down to Philadelphia for a Phillies-Braves baseball game. Uh, I believe it was, I want to say we went to two games that, that uh, during that weekend uh, Atlanta had won the first game uh, very I was very happy about it I was still young at the time so obviously I was I was a little bit more into it than I am now uh, I still get into the games uh, when I do see Atlanta on TV but uh, being in person is a much cooler experience so if anyone has yet to check out a live game whether it be for the NBA the NFL uh, soccer uh, MLB uh, you should really go check it out so, anyways, this was the uh, the after the second game we went to on the afternoon. Atlanta got their butts torn up by the Philadelphia Phillies. I believe the final score was fourteen to one or fourteen to three. It was something like that. And on our way back to the hotel, because where we stayed at, and if anyone uh, does uh, watch the, if anyone does watch baseball on TV, and you happen to see a Phillies game on TV or you see the highlights. If you happen to look on the TV screen, uh, you can see there's a Holiday Inn hotel that is directly, I believe it's directly behind the uh, Philadelphia Phillies uh, ballpark. So we stayed at that hotel. So we were within walking distance because Lincoln Financial Field is right next door to to the baseball uh, park. And then the Wells Fargo Arena, where the Philadelphia 76ers play and the Philadelphia uh, Flyers play. Is like right next door. So if you're a Philadelphia fan, your sports, uh, your sporting teams are all right, right next to each other. So, anyways, we were, we, we were walking back to the, uh, to the hotel room and it was still, you know, or it was fairly, uh, a uh, little, it wasn't too late in the afternoon. And I was just minding my own business. Me and my dad were, were having a conversation about the game. We were, uh, uh, about how the game went, we were talking about the the season in general, and these Philadelphia Philly fans were just heckling me. They were saying uh, obscene gestures. You know, obviously, uh, where how how I am now, I would have probably said something uh, if if I was there now at my at where I'm at. But I was so young, I just I didn't know what to say. My dad just said, "Son, keep your head down, don't say anything." They were heckling me. Uh, you know, I was just trying to have a conversation with my dad, uh, and I will attest to that for you, Jadavion Kelly. Philadelphia, 70, Philadelphia fans in general—they are the most harshest crowd of fans out there. But they—it's a passionate fan base, and I have nothing against a passionate fan base. I just have, it was just funny because when I look back on it, every time I'm like, I, I just can't win. I just I just couldn't win that day. We we the Braves got blown out that game, and I sure had to hear it. So, just something I I thought you guys should uh, should know that I am attesting to Jadavion Clowney's uh, response. I didn't actually see the where he had said this in an article. I just I just happened to was on my phone just reading about stuff, and then I see that Jadavion Clowney stated in a in an interview that. Philadelphia fans are the worst, and so I I was just affirming that I was attesting to that. But the biggest reason why I wanted to do a a episode uh, is just what has been going on around the NFL with all these uh, coaching hires, the coaching firings that have happened. And for anybody that has not seen it, I just I'm going to catch you up. I'm going to catch you up a little bit to date. So my Washington Redskins they hired. Uh, the former Carolina Panthers head coach, Ron Rivera. And this hiring did happen a couple weeks ago. Uh, the Carolina Panthers hired now former Baylor coach, Matt Rule. And I believe, I want to say this was, uh, for a first-time head coach, He is getting a seven-year deal, six or seven-year deal, worth $60 million with up to, Seventy million in incentives, and I believe if I read this correctly, when this report did come out, Matt Rule is the highest-paid coach for a first-time head coach to to be ever given such contract. And the New York Giants just hired their new head coach the other day, hiring former wide receivers coach from the New England Patriots. Now he goes by head coach Joe Judge. I can't tell you really much about Joe Judge. I have no idea who he is. I know he was a former assistant, uh, I believe, at Alabama. I believe he worked under Nick Saban for a couple years. He was a special assistant. Uh, he worked for the special teams as well on the New England Patriots staff. And he recently was working as a wide receivers coach under... Bill Belichick on the New England staff. But the biggest reason why I wanted to talk about this was that the whole uh Rooney rule. And if anyone doesn't know what the Rooney rule is, it is the National Football League's policy that requires league teams to interview ethic minority candidates for head coaching and senior football operation jobs. And you know, the the biggest, I think the biggest reason why. Uh, a lot of uh, analysts, a lot of uh, former—I won't say a lot of former players, but a lot of analysts or or even people that have the the talk shows on TV—are getting upset about this. Is because you look at the the NFL, the thirty-two jobs, and the Cleveland uh, Cleveland Browns' job is still yet to be determined. I think a lot of people are expecting. Uh, Offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels to get that job, and I'm actually kind of expecting Josh McDaniels to get that job. But you look at the thirty two teams, only four, only four coaches in the league are of not of white Caucasian descent. You look at Mike Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers, African American, Anthony Lynn of the Los Angeles Charters, African American. Brian Flores of the Miami Dolphins, African American, and I know this uh, this has nothing to do with the African American race, but I I'm going to include Ron Rivera of the Washington Redskins. He's of Hispanic descent, and, and and it really it does leave a, a sort of an issue uh for for the NFL to to really look at because you implement this rule this Ron this uh, Ron Rooney rule. You implement this rule. I want to say back in two thousand two, two thousand three. I don't remember when this rule exactly came out, but I I just been reading about it. I've been watching the 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 uh, morning uh, talk shows, the morning sports talk shows, and it and it really does beg a uh, question: Why aren't more African Americans getting these opportunities to really be in charge of a football team? As far as a head coaching spot and saying what goes on for this team? What say can they bring to change a culture of a football team? Um, I know there was a lot of talks about the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, Eric Bieniemy. I know there was a lot of talks about him uh, getting interview positions, but it, it is it is really a cause for concern if you look at it and the NFL only has really four uh, coaches that are not of the white Caucasian descent. Um, I don't know if it, it is ever going to change if um, if more African-Americans are going to get their chances. I know there are a lot of coaches of African-American descent that are getting lined up for or getting a request by the teams or team. I believe the Cleveland Browns are now the only team to uh, that need a head coach. Uh, it, it is just an issue that, that you know, really I didn't sit down and actually look at it and just see, man, you know, everybody deserves a chance in life to, to, be, a, to be a powerful person. And you, you just look at it, someone needs to be a voice for the NFL. I think Roger Goodell and the Players Association, like I mentioned, they really need to sit down And just talk about how they can really change this this aspect of going forward. It you know, and and if you guys actually and and for for many of my fans that for many of my my fans that listen to this and for many of my friends that that watch because I I have a lot of friends that watch the NFL. If you guys actually look back and sit back and look, majority about I want to say probably close to. 80%, 80% if not over 80%, if not even more than that is this this the NFL league in general is high, is is highly made up of a lot of African American players. So why aren't African Americans getting that chance? Why aren't they not getting that opportunity to showcase their abilities to lead an NFL franchise? To a new level of competition. You can only do so much. As an NFL head coach. You will can only have so much say. But when you can lead a change. When you can change the culture. Of. Of how things are done. By all means. Please do it. And like I mentioned. Just a couple minutes ago. It's really something that. I had to sit back, listen, sit back and read, because this is a problem. This is an issue going on in the NFL. If you look at, and I'm going to use the NBA uh, as an example, if you look at the NBA, there are predominantly, the NBA is made up of also African American players, but there is a lot of mixture because the NBA is made up of a lot of different uh Different con- different people from different countries that are, that play in the NBA, but at one point in time, you can say that the NBA was made up of a lot of African American co- uh, 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 African American players. If you look at the coaching in the NBA, predominantly it is a white Caucasian uh, ethnicity of of coaching. There are a few African Americans that are coaching in the NBA. But it, it, it's just something that is mind blowing, you know. It, it, this ain't something I, I'm really, I, I really, you know, I talk about to a lot of people. It's not even something I talk about uh, to my close friends. But just seeing it, reading about it, uh, watching it on TV about uh, other other people talk about it, it is something that needs to get changed. Something that hopefully in time. Uh, can get changed because you implement this rule, but yet no no African American coach or assistant, uh, whether it's an assistant coach and a coordinator, uh, whatever, you don't see them getting their chances. Yes, I understand that maybe you have to have a high built resume or a high built uh, credentials, but they're not getting their chance, and it is sickening to watch. It's just, it's something that, it, it is something that needs to get changed, and it needs to get changed real soon, uh, because it's it's something that's just going to get, kept getting talked about and talked about uh, down the road, down the line, it, it's not going to stop. So if I'm the NFL, if I'm Roger Cordell, if I'm the NFL Players Association, look at giving African Americans more opportunity more opportunities to succeed in the NFL. Let African-Americans get their opportunities to become a head coach of an NFL franchise. Let the African-American race get a chance to showcase what they can do to change an NFL team, what they can do to change the culture of an NFL team. That's all I'm saying. For you to have four coaches in the NFL out of 32 one still yet to be fulfilled. When you have four, Mike Tomlin, Anthony Lynn, Brian Flores, Ron Rivera, when you only have four coaches out of 32 teams, that is 12%. That is that is just uncalled for. I'm not saying this to, to blast anybody. I'm not saying this to... Provoke anybody. I that is never my intentions. I, I'm not trying to provoke anybody. I'm not trying to piss anybody off. But I am saying that the NFL needs to do a better job at giving African Americans the chance to do something and to prove themselves to people. There are co- there are good quality, good quality coaches. Assistants, coordinators, assistant coaches of African-American descent that deserve a chance to be an NFL head coach. Let them get their chance to shine. Let them get their chance to show what they can do to change a culture. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was all I had in store today for the Let's Talk Sports Radio. Like always, I am your host, Carl Mailer, the voice of radio, and this is where we talk all things sports.